Thanks for listening to the Imago Day podcast. If you live in the Portland area, we'd love to invite you into the life of our community. You can find out what's going on at idcpdx.com slash events or on social media at Imago Day PDX. Happy Easter, Imago Day. Good to see y'all. And isn't it great to have the kids in here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Can we show some love for our online community today? Wherever you are, we're glad that you're here. 24 years ago, we had our first Easter service, and it had about 30 people in it. And all I can really remember of it is my wife bought these really loud shirts for me and all three of my boys. And that was the last time that ever happened. But I, I love you. I love you. But, I mean, this is as loud as I can get. But some of you, yellow in the Pacific Northwest, come on. I love it. And by July, the sun will be out with us and we'll be really into this thing. Hey, we come to this resurrection moment, and it is a moment where for many of us, we come in and we celebrate, and we're, we're celebrating that death no longer has victory over us because Jesus conquered the grave with resurrection. Amen? And yet, if we're, if we're honest, we also come in our humanity with a, an experience this moment much like the disciples did. Some of us are confused by it. We don't know many people who rose from the dead, right? We only know one. Some of us come in our grief and our fear and we come filled with loss from the wounds of sin and old creation and we wonder to ourselves, what does the resurrection mean? Some of us come filled with doubt because we can't imagine a world where we can be forgiven and have hope beyond death and be loved without conditions by God the Father because of Jesus. So it almost feels like a myth or a legend or a trick. In other words, we come seeing and experiencing this moment from below, looking at it through the eyes of the world, and it doesn't make sense. And what I want to do today is help us see this story from the perspective of faith, from the view from above instead of below, from a place where something as impossible as a dead man rising from the grave to life again might start to make sense in a meaningful way. And for some of you, I pray that today might It might make sense for the first time that you would give your life to following this resurrected Jesus. For others, I pray it might make sense to draw us to a deeper place of faith, a place where we haven't been before. And I want to start, I want to do this by going through the Easter story as John writes it in his gospel in John chapter 20. So follow along with me as we walk through this story. And you hear the shouting and the screaming? That's what resurrection sounds like. So just deal with it. All right, John 20, verses 1 through 2. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. 
and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where we put him. John writes his gospel story as kind of a new genesis, a new beginning. And so you hear these words early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. And what he's trying to do is call you back to the beginning of the beginning in the book of Genesis where it starts. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovering on the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw the light good. And at the end he says, and there, he called it day. And the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning on that first day. A single verse that he uses to take us back to this, this old creation to set the stage for new creation. John is doing this through his whole gospel. The way he starts is in the beginning was the word. And that word was God and with God and took on flesh and dwelt among us. So we have to understand that that last garden where God created Adam and Eve, the first humans, who sinned against him, who chose autonomy and chose self over God, They were separated from God. And the last scene in that garden, God comes after them still and he makes clothes for them and he sends them out of the garden where they will be separated from God. And the last scene that we have, there are these two angels guarding the tree of life. And in John's gospel, Jesus becomes this central figure in a new creation story. And unlike that last Adam who was clothed, his garments are stripped off. He's crowned with a crown of thorns, a symbol of a fallen earth that Adam was tilling. And yet that thorn now creates a crown for the new Adam. And that sweat from his brow will be replaced from the blood that streams down Jesus' head. And just as death marks the end of old creation, then as Jesus dies on the cross, his body is placed in a new garden tomb in the same way God placed Adam and Eve in their garden. So the stage is set for the next chapter. The stage is set for new creation. Jump down to verse 11. Early on that day, while it was still dark, Mary came and stood outside the tomb and she wept bent over looking in the tomb and two angels in white were seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. These two angels just as were guarding the tree of life in the book of Genesis are now pointing Mary to the fruit of the tree which is Jesus risen from the dead, the resurrected Christ. John says earlier, in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And so they ask Mary, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was him. 
And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll go get him. Mary, if you can imagine this, this one that she loved who was just crucified, even though he was sinless, even though he was perfect, she now assumes that his body has been stolen by the same enemies that crucified him. It's interesting that she thinks he's a gardener, similar to Adam and Eve who tended the Garden of Eden. Jesus now stands before her as the one who is a greater gardener, who brings into new creation where death is defeated and life is eternal. And he says to her, why are you crying? He asks her two times. Now, I don't know about you, it seems like a pretty basic thing to do is cry, right? Like, how can she not be crying? But, but really, it is two views of the same event. One perspective is from above, where Jesus sees the whole story, where pain and loss is interpreted through the lens of a much bigger story. The story of Jesus who came to show us the Father and through his life and death and resurrection to unite us to the Father and give us new life. That's the view from above. That's the view of redemption and new life and new beginnings. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, means trusted Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. But the other view, the view from below, is Mary's view, and it's our view most of the time. It's where the story ends in death and where loss has the final say, where memories are all that we have left. And that view from below is old creation of an old world without resurrection hope. And if you're there, you don't cry. It means something's broken in a much deeper way and Jesus isn't asking her because he doesn't have empathy he's not like why are you crying right he's asking her to call her up to the view from above where the end is not the end it's just the beginning and where death gives birth to life that is indestructible Jesus isn't a dead corpse missing but the risen king of the world Amen? And so Jesus is pointing Mary to a view from above where he isn't a gardener king, but he is cultivating life. And he says to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The view from above is a personal one. Mary, he calls her by name, and that is a call that invites her to turn around and to have her eyes open and for her heart to grasp. The impossible is standing right in front of her. She turned towards him and she cried out, teacher. And so John makes sure we understand Mary's movements where Adam and Eve turned away from God, Mary turns towards Jesus, and when she turns towards him, he calls her name. And that turn represents seeing reality from below to seeing reality from above. It is a move 
towards Jesus where Jesus is. And that is a turn that every person from Mary onward must decide to take. It's a turn from old creation to hear Jesus call your name. And it's our prayer that even today some of you are hearing him call you. A turn that Jesus invites each one of us to. And it's a turn that moved Mary into a whole new story and a whole new reality. And and she sees him and realizes Jesus isn't dead or a gardener, but he is the resurrected king. Now he talked about this all the time to the disciples. Don't, don't, like I'm going to die and I'm going to raise on the third day, but they just couldn't see it. And if you ever lost a loved one, you can understand her reactions. If you can imagine that person you loved rose from the dead, what would you do? You'd throw your arms around him. You'd hug. You probably wouldn't get in a room and talk about him. You'd probably throw a huge party, which I think we should think about. And so she wraps her her arms around him, and Jesus says, Don't hold on to me, because I haven't ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. It's such a strange request. Like, why wouldn't you throw your arms around him and be like, you're alive, you're alive. And the reality is, Jesus says, don't hold on to me, not because he's cold. Not because he's like, hey, hey, just put her there. I'm resurrected, right? (laughs) The reality is things are going to be different now. Jesus is not the same, and their relationship is changing. See, before Jesus resurrected, what he was doing was taking on our humanity and uniting God to our humanity. He was bringing God down to us. But now, after the resurrection, he's taking humanity and uniting it to God above. He says, he says we don't hold on to me because I still have one more step. He became what we are. To make us what he is. That's the hope of resurrection. It's great that he rose. It's great that we're forgiven. It's great that he died for sins. But if he doesn't resurrect and he doesn't unite us to the Father, then we miss the whole point of new life. I have not yet ascended to my Father, my Father and your Father, my God and your God, he says. Don't hold on to me because I haven't yet taken this resurrected humanity back to God. And because of me, now my God is your God and my Father is your Father. Essentially, he's saying I'm going back to the Father so you can be where I am, not simply keep me where you are. Where we ended Eden with separation of God from humanity, the new garden is a gateway where Jesus is bringing humanity and connecting us to his Father. I don't know about you, but that's really good news. And when he says, don't hold on to me, there's one thing I have to do. I have to unite you to my Father and send you the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And then Mary Magdalene, it says in verse 18, she went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them everything that he said to her. The first thing Mary does is she takes the news from above back to her friends. I have seen the Lord. And she can't help but share it because, you see, they are stuck in the view from below. They're filled with fear and grief and confusion. And Jesus sends her to say, I want you to go announce this reality to my brothers. This is better news than any of us thought possible. There's another way to see the world, the view of faith, and it's more real and more powerful than the death that we just witnessed. I have seen the Lord. Those words from her lips announce that the world has changed forever. If Jesus is alive, then we can see the world and enter the world through this new creation, new possibilities where life can begin again. And brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the point of all reality that Jesus Christ lived the perfect human life of worship to God, that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sin collectively and personally, And then finally, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, reconciling us back to God and uniting uniting us to his Father once for all. That is a massive, massive reality shift for most of us. Because tomorrow you're just going to get up and go to work again. And you're going to be like, why is it raining? (laughs) But it all hinges on the empty grave. Because if the grave isn't empty, not literal, if it's not literally empty, then there's nothing for us to talk about. If he didn't rise from the dead, then none of this matters. He died for sin, but his bones remain in a Palestinian tomb. He never was the world's king or the son of God if he remained dead. And in fact, Jesus, if he's still in the grave, then history has no point to it. It's just one power and force running things until another power takes its place. But Jesus' resurrection is the only hope that is both historically tested to. People believe that Jesus Christ really lived, really died, and his grave was empty. It's the, it, he, he can be easily disputed by Jesus' enemies because all they had to do was present a body. I mean, I don't know about you, but dead people don't go for walks. They just are still wherever they fell down. And they could never produce his body. And it is the story for which countless men and women throughout history and the globe continue to testify that I have seen the risen Christ. And by the power of the Spirit, I have been changed. See, resurrection is both the point of history and the point of all reality. And Jesus invites us today to make that turn. And brothers and sisters, I don't know what you come to when you come to these moments. If you see it from below, you think this is is crazy. Or if you can begin to hear him call your name today. If you can begin to see it from above through the lens of faith that The grave is empty, and Jesus is alive. 
And Easter is the announcement that new creation has come because of the resurrection of Christ. New life is possible because death and sin have been defeated. Because your shame has been buried in that grave. And because Jesus today lives to be your leader and your forgiver and your defender and your king. And I want to help you today to make that turn. And it's a simple act of faith that when Jesus meets us, he begins to change us from the inside out. And nothing is ever the same because you start to see the world through the view of life not death. And I want to help you do that today. I want to ask, are you happy that Jesus is alive, brothers and sisters? Amen. And he has brought us to his God and our God, his Father and our Father. And so would you just pray with me where you are, and I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Christ. If today is the day that you want to turn to Jesus or turn back to Jesus, I want to help you by simply praying a prayer and leading you in a prayer. There's nothing special about the words. They just are words that express hopefully what you're believing, and I want to help you do that. So if that's you today, would you just pray these words in your heart? Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose again. And I thank you that you defeated my sin and my death. And I turn to you now to be my forgiver, my defender, and my king. And I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and take your place as the leader of my life. We pray it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand right now so we can celebrate with you? Amen, 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 yes. One of the ways that we have celebrated this is through the symbol of baptism, which if you're not, uh, if you haven't been around it much, it's kind of weird, like why are people getting dunked with water? But baptism is a, a symbol that is announcing through the physical act that we have made that turn, that we have moved from the reality from below to above. And and the symbolism is that we are buried with Jesus as we go into the water. And we are raised with him as we come out of the water. And it is a sacred symbol where we announce publicly through this act of baptism that we are united to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And today I want to invite you, if you have never taken that step to be baptized, you can get baptized today, right now, right here. We, trust me, we have clothes, so we're not saying, hey, you know, go in your birthday suit. This, we have big shirts and shorts and towels and everything you need. And so as the worship team plays, as we sing and celebrate baptism, I want to encourage you to get out of your seats, to go to these doors. Someone will be there to talk to you, and you'll be able to enter the waters of baptism today. Amen? Happy Easter, everybody.